Um, notwithstanding, uh, one of our lads is praying to Mecca, which, <clears throat> like I said before we got on camera, we need all the help we can get. Buddha, Allah, whoever, I don't care. You know, um, the uh, when the nuns and the priests and everybody pray for me, I said, I, can, I need all the help I can get, believe me. In fact, I think Father George is up there someplace. Never know. Okay. Now, any questions from anything that we've covered so far? <coughs> okay. Now, um, the um, I just answer, asked and answered my own question about how many have seen The Wolf of Wall Street, and virtually everybody but one said yes. And uh, people often ask me what my thoughts are, reference the movie, and I say that I realized stuff like that existed, uh, but I've been out of that business a long, long time, and I certainly wasn't in the business in the late 80s that the picture was portrayed. But stuff like that happened, and normally the, the uh, unscrupulous brokers take advantage of old, retired people, which still you know, do. Still do? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, the, uh, which is unfortunate, I, you know, so obviously I'm not a proponent of that. And the movie that was made before that, Wall Street, uh, which was depict more my era, or just the end of my era, um, uh, with the Wall Street firm, the, um, that was certainly, you know, the, in the big buyout days, uh, and Gordon Gecko was uh, supposedly uh, a, uh, a guy that was a big uh, raider. And, um, the, um, and all that's true. Um, and those guys, you don't have, don't have to worry about worrying about their self-esteem, etc., because they have self-esteem. <coughs> and one of the things that I point out during the seminar, and the reason why we have pictures of on the influencers, of Hitler, Stalin, and some bad guys, is that they all had high self-esteem. And being a high-performance person has nothing to do with whether you do good or bad. High performance is too often linked to goodness, but it's not. High performance is being the best you can be, being all that you can be at whatever you're doing. And just as I gave you a lecture on you know, um, you're the manifestation. I hope Olive had good things to say to us. <clears throat> the manifestation of my wanting to be the best I can be, all that I can be as uh, the most successful high-performance coach on the planet. So all the stuff I do for you and the year-long free mentoring is you're the beneficiaries of that. But it's not because I'm Mother Teresa. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, I don't get uncomfortable with many things, but I do get uncomfortable, uh, slightly uncomfortable when people equate too much goodness to me. Other than my mother who thought I was an angel, which most mothers do think their children are angels, okay? And a few nuns and a few priests that I help that think I'm an angel. But uh, that's the extent of my uh, saintliness. Uh, and that's only in their mind. It's not because, you know, I really am. Um, so now, what is a super high performance person? A super high performance person is turns dreams into reality through discipline, creating order from chaos and managing failure. It's not a popularity contest. It's about not a popularity contest. The more chaos, 
the more money you'll make. The more chaos is in your industry, the more money you'll make. The more wealth you'll create. It's a simple equation. I get opportunities, uh, and that's why I went to Russia 20-some years ago when the wall fell, uh, because there was a lot of chaos. Uh, and I get opportunities, people say, should I go to Turkey? Should I do this? Should I do that? If you're emotionally capable of weighing the risks against the rewards, then the answer is yes. But if you're going to be worried about the kids you got to put through school, your wife that uh, just lost her job, and all that other stuff, then the answer is no. Because then you can't deal with it emotionally. <clears throat> and it's the emotional bank accounts. You know, most people worry about the financial bank account. That's not the bank account you run out of. You run out of your emotional bank account. Because you can't make the hard decisions. When you're down to your last dime or hundred bucks or thousand bucks, whatever your threshold is, or the last hundred thousand dollars or euros or pounds, and you've always said, well, that's kind of my cushion, you think to yourself. That's my uh, security blanket or whatever the right word is to describe it. If you can't make decisions the same with a hundred thousand euros in the bank as a million euros in the bank, then you're doing something wrong. I've been down to negative net worth. I talked about rolling 82 million pounds a number of years ago on, a, on, a, on an offering, which I didn't have that much cash, and I had to come up with it within 13 or 17 days, whatever the clearing, I forget what the clearing is. Um, and uh, I flipped it in the last day, the, the second to the last day, the penultimate day, as they say here in, in Britain, and I made 3,000 pounds on an 82 million pound investment. 3,000 pounds on 82 million pounds. You must have been a little bit pissed off that day. No, I was happy I got rid of the fuckers when I was. I was so happy I thought all my birthdays came at once. I didn't know whether to shit or go blind. Because I was going to have to come up with 82 million quid, as they say here. And I only had about 25 million cash. So we had a shortfall. Okay. I would have been calling Jeffrey, uh, uh, what kind of bridge loans do you have? You know? Uh, so, but I, I tell the people, and I tell Robert this, who's making presentations for us on our deal, that you've got to act like you don't care to get the deal done. You've got to act as if you have no limits to your abilities. You've got to act like the, you don't need this deal, and they do. I've told you, nobody in this room, even if you all become billionaires, when you all become billionaires, is going to change my lifestyle. I'm never going to get planes again. I say never. I should never say no, always and never. But I'm never going to get planes again, and I'm never going to <coughs> get a yacht again for sure. But, you know, Sally and I had a place in Monte Carlo. We got rid of it. We weren't there enough. I mean, I had a big estate in Southern California that saw from Malibu to um, Newport Beach, 3.65 acres on the, watching the whales sail by. I mean, I've had all that stuff. So nothing that you're going to do is going to change my life. Yet I have the ability to change everybody's life in this room. And as I said earlier, we have a 100% track record for changing lives positively. Uh, whether it only means it increased your net worth 500,000 euros, 
or five million or a billion like some of the guys up on the wall. But it was positive. Now, some of the people didn't use the money in a positive manner. Somebody, some of the people didn't use what I taught them, what I coached them to do good. And that's why there are high performance people like Hitler, Stalin, and some of the other guys on the wall. Now, it is possible to achieve your, is it possible to achieve your goals? Yes. If you're willing to pay the price, any goal is possible. Most people aren't willing to pay the price because they grossly underestimate the unrelenting total cost in terms of money, time, and this should be highlighted, emotional capital. And it's always the emotional capital that runs out. It's never, you can always find money. I can find everybody's deal in this room by some fucking idiot that's watching this on YouTube. There's no question about it. I have a proven track record. I used to have a guarantee. Okay. I used to do a seminar called financial, uh, raising capital, excuse me. And it cost $1,000 to go, and I used to have 50 to 250 people in the room paying me a grand a day. It used to last 12, 14, 16 hours. When I had a guarantee, if you can't raise the money you need for your deal in six months, I will either write you a check personally or go out and raise the money for you. But, only one caveat. Hans, the caveat is you have to make two financial presentations a week for 50 weeks. 50 weeks, different financial presentations. Bank A, insurance company A, different financial institutions, two a week, and you will raise the money. Now, nobody's ever called me on that guarantee for two, one of two reasons. Either one, they raised the money, or two, they couldn't make or they wouldn't make because of their emotional bank account, the two presentations a week. But everybody that made the presentations a week, two a week, raised the money. Now, it wasn't in the next county, the next city, your local bank. Sometimes you had to go across the country, to, uh, across uh, the state, in a different country. But you can always raise it. One of the books, and I forgot to mention the other day about what books to read, uh, Winning to Intimidation by Ringer. I mean, it's a great fucking book. Okay. He's written others, but that the first one is a great Anybody that comes more than 200 miles with a briefcase is an expert. You drive more than 200 miles, 300 kilometers, you got a briefcase, you're an expert. He's an expert. He's traveling all over the place for uh, our solar deals and wind deals. But it's the emotional bank account. It's the emotional bank account. <laughs> we talked about the, the top entrepreneurs for the last hundred years. And I, I'm a big fan of Andrew Carnegie, in case you didn't notice. Not just because I almost bought Skibo Castle, which he used to own, uh, but because, and I'm here, and it's only a, a few miles down the road where he's from, Dun Furman. No education, left Scotland when he was 12 years old, went to the United States, created a whole industry, smart as, smart as a whip, okay? Little wee guys, they would say in Scotland. Andrew Carnegie, Oprah Winfrey, Tom Edison, Louder, Ray Kroc, Bill Gates, Hilton, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is more my personality, more my DNA. Not because of his creativity, because some would say I don't have so much of that. 
But when he gets something in his little mind, or his big mind, he didn't make a shit what other people said. And I'm very much the same. I'm very much the same. Bullheadedness, you might call it. But I'm very much the same. Because when some, some naysayer tells me I can't do it, and I look at, where's he living? Is he living in a caravan or a mobile park or in a little cold flat or apartment? Or is he living here? And I used to have a couple big penthouses around the world. And I mean, so I judge, okay, am I going to listen to you? And when we talk about mentors and mentorship, I'm, I, I, I want a mentor that is where I, where where I want to be, they are now. Where I want to be, they are now. And for some of you, you know, you know, you look at me like I'm in that position. Well, I am, but there are other people in the world. There's men and women all over the place. Some of you have listened and read my stuff for a lot, a lot of years. And uh, uh, Pablo knows more about my background, I think, sometimes than I do. He reminds me of stuff, uh, the weather we kiss. You know, I'd forgotten about that. But because he's listened to uh, my tapes, etc., for a, a lot of years. Uh, but putting it into action is something different. There's a lot of people up here that know um, uh, about QLA, quantum leap advantage. And I think it's important. How did I come up with QLA? Nobody's asked me that here today. But I'm, what I'm thinking about, I'm going to say, when I got thrown out of Great Western many years ago, uh, 1992, I said, what am I going to do with my life? Okay. It was easy, pretty much easy, to make turn 800 bucks into 400 and something million. So um, one of my very good friends, a guy named Bud Grubbs, who I've known since high school, he says, Dan, why don't you coach, teach? I tried to teach university twice. I, was a, I wasn't a failure. The students were failures. I was very disappointed in the youth of the world at that time. So I said, I'm going to coach. Okay, so I decided I'd go around and watch all the, the, the experts in the business uh, at the time. Uh, from uh, Ted Nicholas to uh, Gary Halbert to, to Dan Kennedy to Tony Robbins, to, <coughs> you name it, I went around to see him. And I paid money to see these people, five grand a clip. I didn't know that only a third of the audience was paying, and I was probably the only one paying full pop. I didn't know that at the time. I just paid my five grand, like, you know, and I thought I was supposed to do. And, uh, and most of the, the, the gurus at the time said, Dan, what do you want to do this for? I mean, you're already where we want to be. Anyway, make a long story short, I did this for about uh, almost uh, 10 months until I developed my own ideas. But I went to a seminar, Jay Abraham seminar, at the airport, LAX airport, uh, one of the big hotels. And I'm sitting in the audience, and he had like four or 500 people in the audience that allegedly paid five grand each. Jay, I may have been the only guy who paid five grand. I know maybe a lot of them paid five grand, but I can't find anybody else to pay five grand. And I love Jay. Jay's a very smart guy. Okay. He used to be a, a kind of a neighbor of mine when I lived in, uh, in uh, Southern California. So they pass around the mic. Every other person gets to pass around the mic. Why are you here? Okay. So I'm watching the mic, and the mic goes from you to you. And I'm sitting next to Robert, and, and they're going to pass me, skip me. So I take the mic away from Robert. It was actually an old lady. Took the mic away from the old lady. Hi, I stood up, and I was wearing a pair of red linen pants, as I recall, with some uh, kind of, uh, uh, not hippie, but uh, what do you call the uh, Brooks Brothers shirt and 
braces, suspenders. I said, hi, mine's Dan. my name's Dan Pena. I'm the founder of Quantum Leap Advantage, QLA. I didn't know Quantum. I didn't know Leap. I didn't know Advantage. But I just watched on the program last night on TV, Quantum Leap, that program that where the guy used to transfer in space from one time zone to another. Now you guys would still be doing motherfucking spreadsheets on, what do I call myself? How do I compete with all these big hitters? And so the little lady behind, next to me that I ripped the microphone away from, she's saying, you know, that was very impolite. Shut up, old timer. And I, Quantum Leap Advantage. And I'm going to change the way personal development, didn't call it high performance success coaching at the time, personal development. Okay. And that's how I came up with the name. Later on that day, Jay asked me after we had a personal conversation, which I don't feel that I should share with uh, YouTube. He said, how'd you like to take over the, the group for a while? Okay. So after lunch, I went over. He says, and I want to introduce, you saw him earlier, the guy with the red linen pants, Dan Pena, QLA, Quantum Leap Advantage. I went up to the audience about 1.15. I left the podium after 10 that night. I held the audience in the palm of my hand for almost nine hours. I knew Allah had looked down upon me. This is easier than taking candy from a motherfucking blind baby. I, I tried to take a break a couple times. I was mobbed like a rock star, trying to pull my fucking clothes off. I said, fuck. And he's getting five grand a pop for these fucking morons? That's too cheap for starters. I gotta, I gotta change that model. And that was it. That's how Quantum Leap came about. Came about. And then I backtracked and I wrote, uh, retrospectively, how I did it. But I didn't know how I, I knew I did it, but I didn't know how I did it until I sat down for three or four days with my good friend Bud Grubbs and we wrote it all up and we came up with a methodology which has changed dramatically. The seminar is 80% different than it was 20 years ago. Now you guys would still be doing a spreadsheet and I know the ones that would be doing the longer spreadsheets trying to figure out, well what does quantum mean? What kind of meaning? And what is leap? Has that got a bad connotation? And what advantage do you have? I can just see all the fucking stupid questions that you'd ask yourself. You know why? Because you're fucking insecure. You lack self-esteem. You lack self-confidence. You got no huevos. That's why. And that's why these guys and these guys that take your fucking money from you and fuck your wife for practice. I eat all you guys for breakfast, before breakfast. That's the difference. And the reason why you have an advantage, because it's like you're sticking up, you're going into a bank without a gun and taking their money. In a legal way. That's the advantage you have. And back in the late 90s and early 2000s, you couldn't go to a bank in Britain that hadn't heard of me. Because I had all my little minions running around with their dream team and their this and their that. Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, Vancouver, Montreal, 
Toronto, all the same. There were thousands of little fuckers, mini-me's, running around. Sucking the money out of the financial institutions of North America and Europe legally. And today, as we speak, they're still doing it. Much smaller numbers, because I only do a few of these a year. But we're taking more money out than we used to. I test myself, and part of my ritual, at the end of the day, you've seen the, the weekly reports from some of my mentees so far. I asked, rate yourself today or this week, and you've seen, I think the highest one was 50%. And these are guys that are doing well. Because when you rate yourself in your weekly reports after you leave here, I'm going to ask you, how well could you have done if you did all the things you wanted to? That's your benchmark. When I see a report back more than 50 or 60%, I fire back. I say, who are you trying to shit? That's why I get a lot of them. Zero, 15%, 25%. And these are guys that are doing well. Because, but how do you rate it if your life depended on it? For those of you that have kids. If your life depended on it, you had to get a hundred grand or whatever the number is, or your child was going to die, how much harder would you work at it? How many parents do we have in the room? Okay. How much harder would you work at it? I worked that same level. Well, I, that's just, I'm, I'm about to tell a big lie. I was going to say I worked that same level to get my Bentley and my, and my uh, Aston Martin, but that's not true. I didn't. I didn't. Sally got him for me, so that's not true. But before, I had a wife that liked to buy me expensive shit, because Sally has her own money too. Okay. I used, you know, if I wanted this, uh, you know, if I wanted a new Frank Lloyd type, right type house, well, that's my goal. But I didn't put it out by the time I'm 40, by the time I'm 35, as soon as humanly possible. I.e., this castle, these grounds, these environments were purchased 17 months from the day that I came up with the idea that I want to live on a castle and an island. And when we talk about goal setting, the biggest mistake all of you make, not just you, but almost everybody on the planet makes about goal setting, is they put time frames. And time frames act as a ceiling. Now, it's, it's, no, it's no, not by accident. I bought this on my 39th birthday. I went public on my 39th birthday. What if I had said, as quick as humanly possible, I wanted to take and I wanted, I wanted all these things to happen before I was 40, for sure. Because I thought 40 was, fuck, that's the end of the world. I mean, shit, I might as well kill myself. 40, I mean, <laughs> Megan thinks 40's old. She's just, a, she's just a baby. And when we talk about goal setting, I mean, it's really in, in the visualization and all. And Andrew Carnegie did visualization. He did affirmations. If it's good, if it's good enough for the, arguably the, the greatest entrepreneur that ever lived, who's just down from the down the road a piece, it should be plenty good for you. I test myself every day. Did I pass? Most of you would fail. 
the most all. Based on being all that you can be, you all fail. So the goal is you start at being 10% a day or 10 a day a week, etc., and you get up to 50, 60, 70%, and you'll see how much more productive you are. But the weekly reports that you're going to give me, if you do them daily for yourself, you will see how much time you fucking piss down a rat hole. Forgive me, mothers that are watching this. I've had kids in this room, women, I've told you this when we had a coffee in Florida a few months ago, that call their mother 10, 12 times a day. Are you shitting me? What the fuck? What possible? Now, if your mom's dying, she's got cancer, that's another thing. Mom, mom, you can make it, not like I screaming at my mother two days before she died and telling her she's not sick. I'm the opposite of that for sure now. But, I mean, what possible good can come from that? That's emotional baggage. And you waste a lot of time. And the homework you're going to do tonight, you're going to, that's going to be exemplified. Okay. Before we, um, how long have we been? 25 minutes. Okay. We'll see you tonight, kids.